episode number 21, Mastering Video Content Creation. When I think about mastering video content creation, first of all, it's always it's an evolution and, and it's always progress over perfection. So you're always trying to get better and make changes along the way. It's not like you master it and then you walk off in the sunset and you're good to go. I think it's always a process where it's evolving. But when I looked at like, all right, what does mastering video content creation really mean? Like, what does it boil down to? Is really two things. And the first one was efficiency. Your ability to create a lot of video content uh, very easily and not a lot of time, right? So you can create a ton of video content, but you're not spending hours every single day recording videos because as a business owner, as an executive, that's just impossible to do if you're actually gonna grow a business and lead a team and be with your customers. So that's the efficiency part. And then the effective uh, part is we want it to convert, obviously. We don't want to just create a bunch of videos and have nothing, no business opportunities happen. So I thought about what does that look like? And when people say, is your video content effective? I think right away, people start thinking about inbound leads, customers, and revenue. And I don't disagree with that, but just I would just encourage you to even look on behind the scenes what's happening when you put out video content. For example, my post yesterday, I got three or four, maybe five comments of people tagging other people. I didn't know who this person was. I didn't know the person they were tagging, but they go, Johnny, this is the guy I was telling you about. Sally, this was the person I was telling you you need to check out his videos. Tom, this is the guy I was telling the VP about the other day. And I was just like, as, as it's happening, you don't realize how many people are having conversations behind your back. And usually you don't want people having conversations behind your back, but in this case, you do want people having conversations behind your back because that means you become the internal content for your customers, your dream customers potentially, right? So you're now, they're now consuming your content. They're sharing it in their Slack channels. I got, I get DMs all the time, but I got one recently that was like, I just shared your video with my VP of marketing and we both agreed we're gonna get, we're getting ready to start a podcast and you just gave us a couple great ideas on where to go and what direction to shoot for. And I was like, you know, whether that turns into a customer or not, I'm going to be top of mind if they, if they start selecting people to work with, right? So I just think the importance of understanding that content, it's not just about, you know, obviously you're drawing in inbound leads and customers, that's great. But that's one of the things that people don't know about content or don't think about video content is what it does behind the scenes. So let, as we go through this whole session, and I'll try to make this pretty brief and then we'll get the Q&A of course, I wanna keep it through the lens of efficiency and effectiveness, okay? So now, I always talk about there's kind of two ways to create video content. One is through repurposing. You're gonna take live events, could be in-person events, virtual events, a guest on a podcast, you're hosting a podcast, something like this, and then you're gonna repurpose it into content. Ton of stuff to talk about there. And then the other one, of course, is more creating from scratch or batch recording. So on the, re on the repurpose side, for me, it comes down to preparation is first, and then I'm gonna get into just the equipment if you guys are curious on what I'm using. So preparation for me, like I thought about how do I prep for these live sessions? And I think the, the way that I prepare and work through this, and usually I'm scribbling stuff out, I erase it, I throw it away, I write again, I erase it, I throw it away. It goes through a couple different ideations to get to a good flow. But the first thing I think about when preparing for a live event is my title. So what's the title gonna be? Because I'm thinking about SEO, I'm thinking about what are people searching for how to build a content strategy, how to master video content, how to make my first 10 videos, you know, how to put together a LinkedIn marketing strategy, right? So I'm thinking about how do I keep the title short and sweet? And then it's gotta fit on the thumbnail because we're now putting these videos on YouTube. The other thing I think about when preparing for a live session is the micro content. 
you got to think about if you're going to be a guest on a podcast, you know, or an interview, or you're doing a virtual event, or you're going to host your own live event, you have to go through and think about how do I get micro content from this? So I got the big topic today of mastering video content creation. That's a big topic. I could talk about that for days. There's a ton of stuff. If I, if I go all 10, 15 minutes and the whole thing is one big point, it's going to be harder for me to now chop this up into little micro points. So I need one big point or theme, but I need to break it down into micros. And so I'm just chopping up into different sections and then the whole piece of the pie kind of fits together. The third thing was platforms and distribution. So like for me right now, I'm getting ready to go through equipment here in a second, but I'm keeping in mind where this content is going to be going, where it's going to be distributed. So I know that it's going to be on YouTube. It's going to be a live session on a Zoom. I'm going to have the long form content. Well, if I'm going to do that, I don't want to just go vertical. So I'm going to use my webcam and you could use something better or not as fancy. There's a ton of options, but I'm using my webcam to get the horizontal, right? And so I'm using my Yeti mic <clears throat> to get the audio. And then for the vertical, because I know I want to put a lot of these videos on LinkedIn and TikTok and YouTube shorts, I've got my phone right here and that's going to be the vertical footage with my mic here. Okay, so just understand where the content's going to go before you actually start repurposing and going through this whole process. In terms of equipment, and I'm happy to answer questions afterwards, the backdrop I just put together yesterday, so that's an eight by eight frame, like I mentioned, the, the square um, box wood kind of uh, 20 by 20 squares. I just put that all together with you know the, the little ties, super easy. It took me, I don't know, maybe an hour, an hour and a half and I had help, to be honest. It was kind of a pain in the ass, but I'm also the least handiest person in the world. So, but honestly, it, it's super easy. You just, you just tie it together. I do think the backdrop for me, looking at this now with the lighting on, massive difference i mean i have a good office upstairs where like i have good windows but even this beats this out like having that green it just pops and then again it looks okay on the zoom call but if you can see when you see the repurposed content from my phone poof, it is solid lighting okay so so that's that and then the, the for the visual my phone obviously the webcam for the audio i've got this movo mic that i've continued to use it's been really really good and it's portable you can take it on the go i like it you could upgrade to something more expensive that I'm sure sounds better. And there's a ton of options that are cheaper. I would just be careful of getting something too cheap because you do get what you pay for. Um, and then the audio I'm using for the webcam is from my Yeti mic. So the mic's like right here, can't quite see it, but it's just out of frame. So I do this so I don't have to sync different audios, right? I've got my one audio that's going right to my phone because the Movo wireless mic plugs into my iPhone. So as soon as I got that video, it's got the audio from the mic. Super easy, I can take that timestamp it, get it editing. And then the long form video is coming from the webcam and the Yeti mic. So that audio is synced together. And so that's just adding a thumbnail, trimming a little bit, you know, start to finish. And then boom, that's going on YouTube. So it makes the process a lot more simple. Um, behind me, I've got that Loom, uh, Loom Cube, which I really, really like. And I like it because it has a stand in the middle of the ring light. It's massive. I think it's maybe what, 12 to 14, maybe even actually probably 16 inches in diameter. So this thing's huge. And again, I like it because the, the tripod kind of thing is built in there. So it's just like in the middle. So that light is just all around my phone. And then I've got those two side lights and I'll provide links in the YouTube video. So if you're listening to this, go, go on the YouTube uh, video, Mastering Video Content Creation. If you're listening to the podcast, go to the YouTube. I may even drop the links in the podcast. But these lights are nothing fancy. I think they're like 39 bucks a piece on Amazon. All of this stuff's from Amazon. All right, so that's that. 
So uh, in terms of batch recording, we just talked about how to be efficient and effective with repurposing. In terms of batch content, batch recording, which I do too, I do both of this, there's a couple really important things that people get really hung up on. And I've been noticing and just having conversations with customers the last couple of weeks, even though it's like, it's a good idea to go out and record five to 10 videos, I've noticed that people just get hung up on it. Um, and really this is how I look at it. So I can get out there, just film quickly, come back in, go about my day. Two things you need to think about for preparation with batch recording content. One is you, you gotta have like 90% of your video performance is gonna come from the first couple seconds. It's your hook, right? So it's not just what you say, it's what you do, what they see, right? So it's audio, it's visual, and then it's also emotional. So it could be something you say, it could be something that you show them, or there's a visual aspect to the hook, and it could be how you make them feel. And it definitely, and a lot of times, it could be all three of those elements. So just don't forget that when you're piecing together your hook, but it's, it's, it's where I start with every video. I got a topic and I'm like, what's gonna be the hook for this? How do I reel that audience in in the first couple seconds? Because if I don't get them for that, again, that's 90% of my performance is based on those first couple seconds. That's the difference between people going, all right, what is this? To, whew, and scrolling past. So that's gotta matter. Otherwise you got the greatest message in the world, but no one's stuck around to watch it. So once you get past the hook, then that first couple seconds, then the only thing you gotta do from there is deliver a compelling message. And one of the, my favorite things to do, especially with newer customers, is I'll watch their videos. We'll watch it together. First 30 seconds, 60 seconds, the whole video. And I'll just go back and go, what, what, what is this value? Like, what's the value you're providing to the customer or the potential customer listening to the video? So you gotta have something to say. You're either going to educate them, you're gonna motivate, inspire, you're gonna edutain them, you're gonna shift their perspective. Again, we're trying to create demand with our content. So I got a video, I got a, not a video DM, I got a regular DM yesterday on LinkedIn and the lady goes, all right, you convinced me I need to be doing video content. Me and my company, we need to be doing video content. Like, let's chat. And I was like, that's so, that's the exact, that's exactly what I mean by creating demand. She's watched probably not just one video. It's probably been several now. It's probably been a couple months, but she's now gotten to the point where she's consumed enough content. Maybe she's seen some things from other people, but she's gotten to the point now where she's like, I need to start doing video for our business. You, you've got me, that's it, right? Now, she's not gonna go Google random companies and be like, video content services. No, she's just gonna go to the person that created the demand in the first place, which was me, right? So that's how this works. So that's preparation. In terms of equipment, I'm using basically the same stuff. I use the Movo mic, I'm on the go, I'm recording outside wherever I'm at, trying to switch up the scenery. Cause I think again, it's good for your audience. It's also just good for you as a creator cause it's different vibes and different, different feelings and different environments. You have a little bit more energy, I think outside. I've noticed that. Um, but the only thing I bring out there that I don't have in here is just a tripod. And so, cause my tripod now is kind of on that Movo or on that uh, ring light. So I just bring a tripod, my Movo mic, and that's literally all I need. Cause I'm using the sunlight and it's, a little bit tricky when you get outside sometimes because you can't be directly in the sun, but you can't be in the shade. You have to be on this like middle ground where it's like, and I'm not a photographer. Actually, Mike, I'm sure your wife would know. Like there's a, there's kind of that, and I think when the sun's starting to come up and then when it's starting to go down, that's a sweet spot for sure. Okay, so then moving to post-production, last couple things here. Again, staying on the theme of efficient and effective, you gotta have a workflow and some type of standard operating procedure when it comes to video content. If you wanna create video content consistently and effectively, you gotta do it. So 
Um, I think about it like this. This is kind of our pattern that we run through and kind of the process. We've just refined it over time. It's pretty simple because when you think about creating video content that converts, there's kind of four different roles. If you could break it down, like if you had an employee for each role, this is how it would be. You'd have a creator, which is probably you, the subject matter expert. You have a curator who's able to go through, understand your brand, marketing to a certain extent. They understand your customer, what they would want to hear. And they're able to go through and say, this is a good clip. Yeah, this is what we want to get in front of our customers, right? They can decipher what's a good message and what isn't. Then you've got an editor who can't curate most of the time, right? Most of the time they can edit videos, but they're not going to be able to go through and break down which clips and which should be hooks and which shouldn't be. They just typically don't have that skill set. And then you've got the distributor. You've got the person that's going to schedule the post, hashtags, copy, that kind of stuff. And again, you could be playing the role of two or three of those people. You could be playing the role of one. So um, you have to kind of be the creator, but all the other ones, you have the ability to delegate at some point. So ours goes like this. File storage, G Drive, Dropbox, Monday.com, ClickUp, whatever you're gonna use. You need a place just to store your files, right? From there, raw video input comes in the raw video, and then you're gonna then send it to curation slash editing. So then it's gonna go through the process of somebody's gotta review these clips. Now for me, if I'm taking apart this 40 minute clip, whatever it ends up being with Q&A, I'm gonna go through and timestamp what I want pulled out of there. Cause I just know my brand and my customers like it, like no one knows that like me, right? So I'm gonna go through, it's worth my time. It's 30, 45 minutes. I learned some things, I learned what I could do better. I get the clips. Once I go through and curate, then I send to editing. Now, a lot of cases I'll have customers come to me and be like, hey, I created a, you know, I'm repurposing my content, but it's not performing. Like, what do I do? And a lot of times the biggest problem is that there's no hook to start the video. So they've chopped up this clip. They're like, man, this is a good minute and a half clip or minute clip or 30 second clip, but it just didn't start off in a way that's intriguing. It didn't like start with that powerful hook that's gonna reel the audience in, but I don't wanna not use the clip because it's really good material. It's a solid, compelling message. And so what do you do, right? You got a couple options when this happens. One, you can move some of the clip to the front. Right, like I've done that a ton of times where I've, and typically I don't anymore because I'm pretty intentional coming into these, but I'll move a clip, maybe it's five seconds at one sentence to the front of the clip and then let the rest play as long as it aligns, right? So if I got into content creation, I'm like, this is how you make video content convert to customers. But I didn't start it that way. I just kind of started talking about it. But I said it later on, I can move that one sentence clip to the front. So that's one kind of workaround there for repurposed content. The second way, is if you go back, and I've talked about this you know, with Andrew, if you go back on a podcast and you're like, man, there's good messages in there, I just don't feel like they're like good enough clips at this point to actually turn them into micro content, then you just take the ideas and the concepts and just re-record them. It's as simple as that, right? And I, I do that. Like last couple lives, I've been like, man, I didn't drive that point home like I wanted to. Like that's a good, that's a good message. I just, you're just on me. I didn't formulate it into a good micro piece of content as I was saying it, so no problem. I'll add it to my list of topics and subjects that I'm gonna record when I go do my batch recording once a week anyways. So you can see how these the, the creation, the batch recording, actually kind of plays off the repurposing and the repurposing plays off the batch recording. It really goes together in one system. From there, curation editing, then it goes to quality check. Just do a quick check, my team lead runs that, so she'll do a quick check, make sure everything looks good, no errors, nothing major we wanna fix. From there it goes to output, edited video ready to post. From there, it goes to schedule the post. We use Seenly.io, but you can use you know, HubSpot, Hootsuite. There's a ton of different tools. 
we schedule outposts. So like this coming Wednesday, tomorrow, I'm working on all the copy and all that type of stuff for next week. So tomorrow I'll have all of next week done. And then I'm looking at the following week. I'm talking copy, hashtags, like videos uploaded, ready. They are done. So I can be anywhere I wanna be in the world. That shit's posted. It's gonna post, right? That's a good, that's a good place to be. It just takes away a lot of the stress. And again, it's, this is efficiency mixed with effectiveness. Um, so once it's posted, I go in there and add the copy hashtags and then it gets posted and you're good to go. The only thing to do from here is just make sure that you're monitoring your performance and optimizing based on that. So I would take the posts that are, you know, top 10 posts every month that have performed well for you. How do we find a re way to repackage that or remix that and get that back out to our audience? Something hit within that post. You can't just take it and be like, cool, that was a one-time deal, now let's go. You gotta find a way to kind of repurpose the repurpose, right? So you could take the same hook, use a similar, use the same hook, switch up the message. You could uh, switch up the hook uh, and then keep a similar message. There's a ton of ways to do it. We just got Shield Analytics uh, literally today. So we're gonna start implementing that, that with our customer, but just tracking. So we've now got a you know automation sheet here. We can just export and say, all right, what's the last 30 days? What's performing the best? What's not performing? Why or why not? And then let's optimize to increase the performance of our videos. Q&A, let's get after it. I have a question more so yeah. uh, podcast set up. Cause I don't wanna be, and we spoke about this. Yeah. Guy in the chair with the headphones on and you know, I'd like to do more of your setup and I'm trying to figure out where to put it in my space and how to set it up properly. Mm -hmm. um, question about your Yeti mic. So I'm, I'm on a Yeti mic. You have it on a stand it's yep. right next to you like it is right now. Yep. And that is going to your laptop. Yeah. Yep. So that's plugging in, plugging into my MacBook, right? And then I'm right. using the Logitech software, which is called, I believe, Logic Capture. And so all I'm doing is hitting record. I'm making sure my camera is set up, everything's good. And then I'm making sure the mic is attached. It says Yeti mic. I select those two. I always do a quick like 10 second preview because I don't want to get through and be like, oh shit, it wasn't like it wasn't right or something. So I always do a preview on both setups. But as long as that's good, you're good. So it's not coming through, your audio is not really coming through Zoom. You're capturing your audio through yes. Logitech or whatever the other. Yeah, and really you don't want your audio or video coming through Zoom, no. honestly. No. it's And then you've got internet connection issues and you've got a ton of quality issues with it. So I just completely take Zoom out of the equation and I use my webcam for the audio and the video and then I use my iPhone and Movo mic for the video and audio for the micro clips that are vertical. So okay. I think that's a great one-two combo. I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of ways to do it, obviously, but that's what's worked well for us. And your MacBook sitting somewhere we can't see. Yeah, so my MacBook is like right here, right? So I'm looking, if I'm looking like this, it's because I'm looking at you guys, right? Yeah. So then my uh, webcam and phone are right here. So as I'm talking, I'm kind of delivering the message. My Yeti mic's right here. My Movo mic's on me. And then if I look this way, I've got my notepad, which is just like a musical composer, like on Beethoven here, right? And it's just got it's just got notes on there. So I'm not, you know, obviously I don't write out every point, but you know, you want some bullet points on there, so you just got a good flow as you're going through it. And so that's it. So it's like that ring light, the camera's here, the the Yeti mic, my computer's on a kind of a stand. 
sitting on a dresser type thing. So it's elevated. So it's all kind of eye level, right? And then my notes are right here. And so it just, you, you just got to play with it a little bit, Andrew. I mean, I would say like, again, there's no one way to do it, but I would set it up, test it, record it. Like it's, I finally feel like we got a good, good setup now, but it took me a little while to get here. I was, I've went through a ton of different setups. Thanks, dude. Green screens are good if you're gonna change out a lot of the backgrounds for something creative. But if you're not doing that, I really do think it's better to have a natural setting. I mean, that's why I've always used like my office or I'm out. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, for sure, dude. For podcasts, definitely. You know, for filming batch recording, if you can get outside or have a backdrop or something a little bit unique in your office, whatever it might be. I do think, and I've noticed what I noticed on TikTok is that when we started posting videos, really getting serious about it, like January this year that a lot of the fake backdrops didn't do well because it was kind of like ad, it was kind of like it didn't look as real. So we actually stopped doing that for a while. And again, if you're gonna do a green screen creative video, you might need to have something like that in there, but we really stopped using green screen and our performance of our videos went up. So um, yeah, it matters. For me, I'm just, like I said in the beginning, the lighting difference is insane. And I noticed that with my green screen too. It's one thing I always loved about it is when I had a green background behind me, the light just like, there's something about it, man. Like versus my beige walls, it just doesn't hit the same. So, and I think it's just like, it's kind of hitting this and maybe it's bouncing back or whatever it is, whatever the effect is. But having that backdrop, man, this is the best lighting. Like again, it looks okay in the Zoom, but it looks better on the Logic Tech software and it looks even better on the iPhone. It's really, really good. And that's why I tell people like, you know, the iPhone quality of video is great for most people. I mean, you can always upgrade, but if your lighting is good, I, I learned this like last couple months, your lighting can make or break your video quality. Even if you have the same camera or the same iPhone or smartphone, you just change up the lighting. It'll look like you, like you could go from really high quality looking to like absolute garbage. Like that's how much lighting actually matters. And Gary, I'm sure you can attest to that. Lighting is a massive deal. And I noticed like, even it was like a couple weeks ago, I did a live and it was like storming, it was kind of rainy. And all I had was like one ring light. Lighting was not good. I didn't have my normal sunlight coming in. And literally the picture was same, same smartphone that I record everything on. And I got the footage and I was like, dude, this is so bad. I almost wouldn't even use this. Like it's the same exact like phone that I was recording on, but the lighting was so bad. It was off. I didn't have these ones on the side. These ones on the side are crucial. I mean, I, when I, when I, for the last three years when I've been doing green screen videos, I've always tried to have the lighting on the side. It actually gets rid of a lot of the sh natural shadows that would probably be here from the ring light, but it just enhances. And they're not pointed right at me. They're actually more highlighting the back right here, right? So they're kind of coming in from the side and then my ring light's coming for me, like straight for me. And it's, yeah, it's really good. How mm -hmm. many clips, so you, so I don't know when your recording day is. I don't, I don't know. Wednesday, Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. Wednesday, so you go out, you're out for, you said about an hour? It's yeah, it depends. I mean, I would say I'm probably recording for like 20, 30 minutes, but you know, I'm walking to where I'm, if I'm outside, I'm going to walk to where I'm at. I'm going to set up. Right. So I got to account for an hour, hour and a half, you know, maybe even two hours to be safe if I'm going somewhere. But if I'm just here, if I got my ideas and my hooks and my, the messages there, I can bang out like six to eight and 20 minutes. Six to eight, 20 minutes. And then out of this, out of a live, you'll get roughly how many clips? Eight to ten. Eight to ten. So eight to ten, and the ones that you pull out, some of them are re-recorded because maybe they weren't hundred percent. 
for yeah, you. Yeah. Well, so I, if if I like went through this footage, for example, and I'm, I knew I'll get some clips, but let's just say there's a couple points in there where I'm like, ah, this this was a good co- concept or subject, but it like it's not good enough to be a clip. It just didn't turn out that way. Then I'll just add that to my batch recording list. Right, so I'll go through this today, and that's the beauty of it. So it's like whatever comes out here and doesn't make the cut, it just funnels into the batch recording because the batch recording I can start from scratch and say whatever the hell I want to say. But ideally, I get you know yeah at least six to eight clips from this minimum because that just makes it again it's efficiency and effectiveness. This is so efficient to be able to pull six videos. You know I can I can you know spread that out and that'll be mixed in with the batch recording and. So I try to post like three batch recorded a week and then two kind of repurposed. That's kind of my my operating rhythm right now on LinkedIn. It's it's about three batch recorded from scratch and then it's two kind of repurposed from lives and different events. I and I do, I kind of rotate. I go Monday, it's like different scenery or this or outside. And then Tuesday is going to be the kind of in my office from a live session. And then Wednesday's back to the outside, different scenery. Thursday's repurposed kind of office setting. And then Friday's back in different scenery. I kind of have a silly question. Yeah. If you batch record six or seven videos in one sitting, would you change your shirt or would you keep it the same? Meaning no, like, I, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Why yeah. is he in the same shirt all the time? Yeah, like, I get that question a lot, especially in newer clients. They'll be like, you know, if I'm recording a ton of videos at one time, should I be changing out my shirts? And I'm like, first of all, no, I don't, right? And And I think the most important thing to note here is that one, nobody is really paying attention to like what you're wearing on what days. I think we just get in our own head and we're like, oh, they're going to think I'm like a bum or something. I'm wearing the same shirt for like, you know, seven videos. Nobody really cares. And I actually think on the flip side, there's a lot of really smart people that only wear like very simple shirts like this consistently because they believe that it's actually less choices that your brain has to make throughout the day and allows you to focus on the more important choices that you need to make. I, I would look at somebody wearing the same shirt and I'd be like, that person is smart. Like they batch recorded, they got a lot of content from one thing. That's a fucking smart person, right? Versus like, oh, why are they wearing the same shirt over and over again? Now, I will say that I'm thoughtful about like, if I'm gonna go batch record three weeks in a row, I'm not gonna wear the same shirt for three weeks in a row of batch recording content. Like I'll try to mix it up a little bit, but I really don't care. I don't even remember what I wore. Actually, yeah, I do. I remember what I wore last live session, but it, it really doesn't matter. It's a super small thing, but I, I understand the question because I get that all the time. This, uh, I blocked out time this weekend. Now that it seemed like October was just a crazy, crazy month and yeah. weekend. So I'm going to start doing some batch recording on the weekends where I'm going to uh, at least knock out five or six, not the edutainment one, but some yeah. more just education ones and sprinkle those in because it takes me about a week to do that edutainment ones and write mm-hmm. and send it off and do all that kind of stuff. So yep. um, this is going to be a big weekend where I'm first really just doing education and, yeah. you know, how to and, and those types of videos first. So it's a big weekend. Well, that's good to hear. Um, the one thing I'll say about that is that I've over the last couple months found a way to kind of fuse educational content with a lesser version of the edutainment content. So like I used to think about it like edutainment had to be like acting or rap or like something like super elaborate where you have a script. And I really changed my mind on how I look at edutainment content because now I started going out recording, you know, six to seven to eight videos at a time outside in different environments. And I was like, just because these are educational videos doesn't mean that they can't be entertaining in the same token, right? In the same way at the same time, right? So I, when I was going out, I was like, how do I, in the hook, 
or in the message, add a little bit of that edutainment flair without the whole thing being some big edutainment skit video story with there's elaborate acting and characters. So I would encourage anybody that's filming videos, you don't need to be, and we're gonna talk about that next week. I think I'm gonna do the whole live session on edutainment because there's a lot of things that I've learned and discovered over the last couple months that I, I just didn't even think about before, honestly. So this whole new style of filming like has really opened my eyes up. And I think there's a lot of ways to, to, to drop in edutainment. I'm actually talking about that, I think, tomorrow's video, like four different ways to actually create edutainment videos. There's a ton of ways to do it. So like even my video yesterday, it was yesterday or Monday, where I was like LinkedIn versus TikTok, right? And like I kind of put the two yeah. against each other. Like it's just very simple things sometimes in post-production or it's an angle or you come into the video a different way. You know, there's just really simple things you can do to actually make it kind of edutaining. And I think what's cool about that is people lean more into that because they feel like, oh, I could do that, right? If they see rapping or acting or different crazy stuff, they're like, I don't know if I could pull that off, right? But if they see you just entering the scene a different way or you know, how you tell the story is unique or interesting or engaging or entertaining, well, people can do that. So yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting. It's really changed my perspective. Yeah, that's, I think that's important for you because people can't pull off some of the same stuff you pull off. No matter how much, <laughs> how many tips you give them, they're not going to be able to rap or act as good yeah. or come up with those ideas. So the simpler edutainment, I think people can say, oh, shit, I, I can do that. That's not a problem. Yeah, and you can add like little characters in the video. Like well, I did one uh, that I recorded last week, last Wednesday, and I was talking about like, like here's why your company content is not performing. Like, you know, the company content, you guys see it where it's like, oh, here's our company post or we won an award or this or that or the executive post and then 99 employees like it. It never does. It never drives business results. And as I was talking about it, I just added like the character that I kind of done before. Where I'm like, you know, our company is the greatest and we were ranked number one by who are we ranked number one by? We, we, got, we paid to get that in there. OK. And I just like added a quick character and then I went right back to my video. Right. So it's like. That, that to me is so easy and I think like a lot of people can do that where it's you're just taking a little moment from the video and you're just adding some entertainment to keep people engaged. Like that little stuff goes a long way if you want to keep people engaged on your videos and ultimately you want, you got to hook people in, you want to keep them engaged because if they're not engaged and watching the videos, then it's not creating a demand, it's not going to turn into inbound leads, it's not going to turn into a customer. So, you know, getting people to be engaged in the videos is obviously really important. But yeah. That recently I've been utilizing a secondary character but like a quick yes you boom. yes yes like popped in the door yes like, yes you correct. nailed that yes mike you should definitely check out andrew's videos um garen you too if you haven't seen him he's had a couple like blow up and go viral but yeah that's exactly right andrew the one that where you said like uh one of the best entrepreneurs i know is a plumber or something like that and then the second character which is you opens the door and goes did you say a plumber He's like, yeah, plumber. And it's just like enough where it was like, yeah, it just keeps your attention, man. It's fun. It's not silly. It's not like crazy out there. It's like anyone could do that, right? And you actually pulled it off really well. But I, that's the stuff that I'm really leaning into. And we're going to talk about that uh, next live, just edutainment. I'm just going to break it down. 